Fantastic, cool. Hey guys, and welcome to the Alternative Movement Podcast. My name's Craig, your host, and this is a place we talk about everything adaptive training. Today, we are joined by a very good friend of mine and one of my clients, Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright, how you doing, buddy? Hello, mate. You all right? <laughs> this has been a long time coming, isn't it? We've spoke about this a few times, jumping on the podcast together, but um, we've never seemed to sync up. You're always busy. You're a you're a want you're a needed man. If one needs, yeah, a it's bit only been about six months i reckon we've tried to now now each other down but but, yeah. but but we've but we've done it we've got a date in the calendar we did it and uh we're here we're here yeah. i know it's only by zoom but uh yeah just we're both busy people and uh yeah it's nice to nice to be able to get this uh get this podcast underway um cool so it's uh as you can probably see if anyone's watching it is uh very close to christmas jordan's got his tree up already well i'm just <laughs> i'm just trying to uh you know hold my uh, reputation that I've got for uh, Christmas. I'm not elf. But... <laughs> how many, uh, how many trees, because this is your bedroom, so how many trees you got up in the house? Uh, four. Four? Four. Oh, I love a Christmas tree. Jeez. Okay, that's probably a bit extensive. I've got none so far, none. Oh, Craig, we're going to have to sort that out. Don't worry, it's the weekend. Me and Grace have already planned this. The weekend, the tree is going up. I'll be checking. <laughs> you want photo confirmation? <laughs> I do. Cool. cool. So, um, yeah, dude, like, we just want to have a chat. We're going to go through some of the stuff you're, uh, you're doing yourself and, uh, yeah, just talk about sort of adaptive training and how you've adapted your training, etc. So, um, a little bit of background, uh, Jordan and I. How long have we been training for now, Jordan? About a year, hasn't it been? Over a year? Yeah. Well, over a year. About 18 months, I think. Yeah, 18 months now. It's gone so quick, hasn't it? It has, it does. Yeah. Each week is uh the sessions seem to be getting quicker and quicker, which is a positive sign. It's kind of a positive sign and a negative at the same time, because I always do enjoy our sessions, but then like before, we're like you know, you look at your watch, you're like, Jesus, it's been an hour already. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, I know. Next person, <laughs> next person. Sorry, yeah. Jordan, I'm kicking you out. Out you go. See you later. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, so I just wanted to get a bit of background on yourself. Obviously, as I said, you've been training with me for a little while now. We've been uh, we've been working on sort of like different training methods, etc. But um, yeah, just want to go for uh, for the audience, just a little bit of background information about yourself, um, who you are, what you do, talk about your disability. Um, Jordan, the floor is yours. So um, I suppose a good place to start is at the beginning. So I've got cerebral palsy, and it primarily affects my lower body. Um, classed as diaplegia but it does affect my upper body and my trunk when I when I get tired so it's just something I get have to be vigilant of and that I'm not overcompensating on one side and things like that but um obviously I've got a a chair I use a frame and I've got sticks but it just depends on the situation as to what I use and what suits me best to be honest I'm still learning myself even after nearly 26 years. So I think it's something constantly evolves um, to, to cope with different situations, especially as you're getting older uh, and learning how to be more independent and and do things for yourself. So uh, we get there. <laughs> so um, where would you mostly use your sort of wheelchair? That would be sort of going out and about, wouldn't it? It will be like um, going to work, etc. Yeah, it's kind of, the old faithful really i use it at work um just to i work in a school so it's it's safer for one with all the kids running around um <laughs> making sure i'm not skittled over 
And um, less, less, less chance of you, uh, I guess, giving the kids a whack with one of your sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's always a chop, but we won't tell them that. Um, <laughs> no, so I'd say I use my chair 60%, 70% of the time, um, and then my sticks as and when I need to, if I'm, if I'm going somewhere that I need to be more mobile, then, mm. I, can, then I can use them. Um, but it's, it's an ad hoc basis, really. Mm. But it, it all depends on the situation, doesn't it? Like around the house, you probably would use your sticks a little bit more. Um, I guess medium distance, would it be your frame? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be truthful in the fact that I'm probably lazier than I should be. Um, <laughs> and I do use it around that, use my chair around the house. But yeah, I've got potential to, to use my sticks and that a lot more. I tend to mm. use my chair more in the kitchen just because it's safer. Um, mm -hmm. And I've found ways around the kitchen that, that suit my chair better. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a mix really, depending on what needs doing. So, I mean, it's probably not very safe sort of uh, carrying a kettle on your lap as well. Like. <laughs> no, I wouldn't advise it. And I've seen some videos online and <laughs> you're watching. Don't do it because it'll hurt. Um, or a, cu or a, cu a cup of tea <laughs> in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, don't do that either. Trust me, I've tried and failed miserably and needed to go and change my trousers. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself like in regards to work. So I think a, a big mis misconception of people, especially with disabilities, is they're not always in employment. Now, for yourself, you've worked for, well, as long as I've known you, you've been at work and you work at a school. Yeah, I mean, I, I left school. I was really lucky. I left college and uh, got a job, done an apprenticeship in a school straight away. And I've worked ever since I left school. And funnily enough, I'm now back at the school that I went to school to. So I only really left for a year to do my apprenticeship. So um, it's a full there. circle. Yeah, full circle. Literally, I'm back at school doing the same school run. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been in that building for 15 years now, which is, which wow. is lovely because there's lots of us that are ex-students. Mm work there so it's it's quite nice but um yeah i think it's really important to for me personally to have something to do all the time i'm the kind of person that if i'm not doing something i tend to overthink mm. isolate myself so mm. that's where trainings come in and been really good because i've got my set days where we train um like obviously, I see you a couple of times a week. And then now I'm part of the, the weightlifting club, which is really good because it's something that I always wanted growing up mm. to sort of have a club that was or a place to go that was catered for me, but wasn't focused primarily on people with more severe dis disabilities. You know, mm. there is a lot more available in terms of, people with learning difficulties but but for someone in my situation where you know it's solely physical it's it's difficult to find somewhere that that, that meets you in the middle yeah so that's a really good place and a, a really good option especially after work as well i mean it's, it's nice <laughs> to just let off some steam and and yeah and it's that a group environment as well isn't it it's uh it's been able to 
have them have them conversations with people in similar situations to yourself and uh, for anyone that doesn't know anyway so i haven't really spoke massively about it on the podcast um i've obviously if anyone that follows me on social media um, and instagram you've probably seen uh, the wheelchair weightlifting club so uh how long has it been going for seven eight weeks now um i've been running uh, all movements wheelchair weightlifting club and uh, as jordan just said it's primarily for people with uh with with physical disabilities rather than um, like mental disabilities or learning dis- dis- uh, disabilities. And it was, it was that middle ground, wasn't it? Because we was having conversations. Yeah. It was like, I said to you like multiple times, Jordan, like what is out there? And we kept coming to that conclusion. There is nothing like there is nothing for oh. that middle uh, demographic of people just with physical disabilities that potentially have to use um, walking aids or wheelchairs. And that was one of the, 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 the sayings on the, uh, on the paper and the descriptions of the class, it was people walking, uh, walking, get me words out, walking aids or wheelchairs. Um, And, and we sort of like went away. And I remember some of my other clients went away as well, looked and couldn't find anything in the area with that, other than, as you just said, people for people with like a lot severer learning uh, disabilities in regards to like learning disabilities, autism, um, Down syndrome, et cetera. Um, And it was almost like, everyone like yourself included would get put into that same category and that same pool of people and it's sort of it's not really beneficial to anyone then because it's not specific and I think that's where this was born it was specific and people have asked me oh would would you take this person would you take this person yes but not yet because I feel like it's because it's growing and I want to keep it specific and niche and I think that's the important side of it yeah you can't lose the you can't lose what its core purpose is. And I think that important. Speaking as someone that I'm kind of, when I, when I grew up, I was really the first person that I'd ever heard of, you know, I never had any role models growing up in my situation. I never had someone older as a reference point. You know, all the way going through school and growing up, I was the first. I got ramps put in places and lifts put in places. And mum and dad started their own social club for me growing up because there was nothing available. Um, So I I know that it just isn't there. And there is Mm. so much potential for so many different things. Um, Me personally, like, like yourself, you do you do social media you try and get the message out there as much as you can for me i have uh, attempted and and not so much succeeded and it's my intention to do more in the new year sort of promote positive thinking and change a few perceptions of what it's like to have a disability of someone in their 20s because i think there is that automatic stigma that you see someone in a chair and you've got to bend over and talk to them like they're five years old and and that's not always the case you know no, not at all. Be, I've got to be really careful what I say here because <clears throat> I you know people are careful and it is a difficult subject and people are perhaps more easily offended but I'm not the most politically correct person in the world I use my humor as a one as a defense mechanism and two as a way to try and demystify things and make it less intimidating for other people so I'm the first person to come out with something and 
perhaps that you wouldn't expect someone in my situation to say, you know, I'm, I've always been the first person to take the, the mick out of, of something, you know, if I fall over or if I tip out my chair, I'm always the first person to like, why are you shocked? You should be laughing at me, you know, <laughs> and people just don't know what to say. Yeah. And, and this is what training and the, the, the weightlifting club is all about is actually there's a group of us that have got a focus on the same thing and we want to go out there and show people yes you have got a disability and yes you are different and yes there are going to be certain concessions that need to be made but actually we want to get fit we want to be healthy we want to have good bodies as much as we can in some areas that's more difficult I mean personally for me I haven't got much trunk stability so the chances of me getting a six-pack no it isn't impossible nothing's impossible but you've got to be realistic about your expectations but like I say just because we're in the situation that we're in doesn't mean that we don't want to strive for them things of people of our own age group mm. you know we want to have good bodies we want to we want to be ready for the beach we want to be the best people we can be and we shouldn't be pigeonholed and said well you know the option isn't there for you well why not you know why have we got to miss out on opportunities because someone hasn't been there before and and facilitated it and I think that's why the club's so important mm. yeah you're absolutely right and I think um it's like anyone like if, if you take for example um let's let's go for able-bodied people um like there's there's so many different variations of able-bodied people like you, you I wouldn't treat one person the same likewise with if he was in a wheelchair or not because everyone is slightly different everyone's yes. capabilities are different and everyone's programming hence why i'm a personal trainer it's personal to the individual um everyone's programming would be slightly adapted anyway oh. from each other and likewise for someone like yourself like a wheelchair user or someone with a disability your program is going to be adapted so it's going to be different anyway mm. but it is that stigma it's almost like soon as you put the wheelchair into the into the mix yeah. it's like oh my god this person if i give them an exercise and they do it wrong they they're going to explode or turn <laughs> they're into dust explode. like a vampire you know it's it's not <laughs> if you know we're quite i mean i don't want to i don't want to speak for the collective because everyone is different and this is, where, again, where I've got to be really, really careful. But you find everyone that I know, and certainly the other people that I know that, that go to the, to the club, we're very much kind of, we're there to do it. They're, we're mm. there because we want to do it. And, yeah, like you say, if there's something we can't do, then we do. We help each other adapt different exercises because someone might have a different idea or say, why don't you try it like that? Mm. But we're not going to put ourselves in a situation that we're not capable of. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, that's our own responsibility. That's, for me individually, that's my responsibility to turn around and say to you, Craig, actually, this needs to change because my body can't move like that. Mm. Yeah. You know? I mean, as a rule, I generally would ask you anyway, I'm so, I, I sort of say, Jordan, you okay doing this? Um, do you need a hand with that? I wouldn't necessarily go and do it for you. Like I would, I wouldn't dream of starting and push you around in your wheelchair because no. that's another thing that could be quite annoying. It's like, 
could you? I couldn't imagine someone doing it to me if I was walking along and someone went behind me and started guiding me. I'd be like, get off, what are you doing? Try going to Soho on a Friday afternoon. Um, yeah. And people have had a bit too much to drink. And yeah, they think they can just push you along the road, but that's a different subject altogether. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that story. And I think that was the one where your partner um, had to intervene, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. For anyone yeah. that doesn't know Soho, it's, um, you know, sort of homo sapien land, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> and yes, we did go and we had a drink and someone decided that, they were my best friend and they were going to push me along the road. And, you know, you, it is funny. I think it's funny because of my sense of humour. Not everyone will do and that, that's perfectly fine. To be honest, depending on what kind of mood I was in, it would probably affect me too. But you've got to laugh at these things when you look back. You might not at the time. But I think you've got to take positives from as many situations as you can. Like I've, I've said to you previously, Craig, I've suffered with my mental health. Mm. Um, and it's difficult. It's difficult to try and find something that suits you. And I think that's where training's really benefited me. Mm. Is it, it fits in with work. It fits in with what I want to try and achieve. I want to try and be as fit as I possibly can for as long as I possibly can. I mean, I, th I think me and you have got quite a good relationship in the sense Absolutely. that we know what we want from each other and what, mm. what we need from each other or areas where I might be a bit more in need of help, whether that be physical or sometimes emotional, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, but I think everyone needs to don't have unrealistic expectations of yourself until you've really put yourself into a situation and looked at it properly. I mean, I, I, I started training with you and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get fitter and have a better body and, and, you will in the long term, but you've got to get past that stage of getting in a new routine, doing a program, adjusting to that program, tweaking it if it needs tweaking. You know, sort of 18 months down the line, I feel a lot better than what I did. But mm. you don't know, it's not like you're going to click your fingers and you're going to notice a massive change. It doesn't happen like that. And sometimes mm. it's little changes. It might be like for me, uh, one side is more dominant than the other. So I've noticed more mobility in my shoulders. And to the average able-bodied person, yes, that might impact them slightly. But for me, that's quite a big thing because for me to have more mobility means that I can push myself better. I can support myself better when I'm transferring from my chair. Um, you've got to have like I say, expectations that are realistic and work on the things that you know are going to benefit you more. Mm. You know, it's good, it's good to work all round, but actually, like for me, the key areas are my back because of my core stability, my shoulders for moving around and getting myself backwards and forwards, 
and just general upper body strength because even though I shouldn't, I lug boxes around at work and I'm forever pulling things around. So I need to work on that because I know they're, they're the areas that are going to get pummeled all the time. So hmm. everyone's going to be different. Everyone's going to have different starting points. Everyone's going to have different end goals. But don't push yourself and put yourself off because I've done that before where you push mm. yourself so hard and you think, yeah, I'm fine. And then actually you get up the next morning and you can't move. Don't put yourself off by going too far um, and just take it one session at a time. That would be my my mm. advice, really. And I think you're absolutely right there as well. It's like we live in that society where we want quick results. You know, we want, if, if our... I don't know, our phone doesn't load as quickly as we want in like three seconds flat, like we get we get the ump, don't we? And uh yeah. it's the same with it's the same with our goals and what we're looking at achieving. Like if we don't get like results in six weeks or our, our six minutes abs as you know, the QVC shopping channel will tell us with this new setup yeah. machine we can buy, um, we get the ump. And it's a case of trusting the process. And you actually hit the nail on the head right there, saying like we've been training for 18 months, and it's only it's not necessarily only really now that you've seen the results, but it's like now all these pieces and cogs are starting to come together of the work we've done together over the last 18 months where you're like wow yeah you're right like my shoulders have, have sort of sorted themselves out uh, my yeah. cardiovascular fitness has got better so i'm not getting out as breath as easy uh, mobility within the joints is increasing and um it's all these little pieces that are starting to finally come together and it's that now we've hit that point it's keeping it consistent and um keeping sort of like that routine in place for longevity because as you say like a lot of people get to that point and go right i've got my abs done finished yeah done, no. done holiday. let's uh, let's <laughs> go back to the bis- let's go back to the biscuit tin um which is not the case um, now you briefly touched on uh, mental health as well so i think that's a really key one um with not just anyone not just people with a disability but anyone really but i mean even more even more so in this past 18 months considering what's been going on with the world um there's been times when you've not been able to go to work and how has this isolation sort of affected you mentally and how do you feel that you've come out of it now the other end with a combination of sort of like that um with the, the the sort of training, the community, the the mindset stuff you've been doing with yourself, how do you feel that transition has happened? If you wanted to go a little bit more into detail with that, um, well, initially in lockdown, I we kept in contact, didn't we? We done a few mm. Zoom sessions. Mm. Um, that was massive for me, really. Just not even for the sessions it was it was contact with with someone else outside the house because i was completely isolated to my bedroom at one point um so that that was that was quite big for me um and also like you giving me exercises to do in my room so even when i didn't have a focus and there wasn't anything to do i could still work on myself um and, and moving forward from that, I think, because when you train, it clears your mind. And I don't think, unless you train yourself, how much that does actually happen. Like you say to people and they go, oh, yeah, I know. 
but you don't know until you do it because you're so focused on doing that exercise or getting that movement right it clears your head it, you know it could be something that happened at work it could be something that's going on for that hour you are solely focused on what you're doing and I think that's been really more of a tool for me because I've actually learned how to do that outside of sessions like I've learned how to actually if I'm going to sit at the computer and, and, and even play a game for an hour I'm going to focus on what I'm doing in the moment rather than what I did six hours ago mm. um so so for me it's been a really useful tool in learning how to one compartmentalize my thinking and to focus on what's really important because we talk a lot and I might, you know, come to you and, and tell you how my day's been, but actually you're quite good at putting a positive spin on that. And I, I think I'm starting to take that away myself. Something might not go right because it doesn't go right all the time. And anyone that says it does is a liar. That, that that's the truth it doesn't and it won't and, and and someone once told me life isn't a straight line it's gonna go wrong but actually it doesn't matter hmm. it doesn't matter if something goes wrong you know if you can cope with something going wrong and 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 deal with it and correct it and be adaptable Again, it goes back to that principle of being adaptable. Mm. You're adapting your training, you're adapting your lifestyle, you're adapting your thinking to what you're doing. And I think having a disability teaches you to be more adaptable than anyone else because you might know generally how to deal with, I need a ramp if I need to get on a train. I need to deal with this if I'm in the kitchen and I'm doing making a cup of tea. But there are going to be places you go to that you're going to get somewhere and go, oh, God, I wasn't expecting that. And if if you got there and said, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, it might be more difficult, but actually you're missing out on so much. So that's what I want to try and really get across is just because it's different, and it's not the conventional way of doing something. It doesn't matter how you do it. It hasn't got to look pretty. If you've got to get on your knees and crawl up some stairs, if you really want something, go and get it. You know, if you have to crawl around with knee pads to get somewhere, which I've not been far off before, then go and do it. If there's something you want to go and see and someone tells you you can't because you can't get up there and it's not, accessible you know be responsible about it but actually you've got your own autonomy to go and make your own decisions if you want to put yourself in a situation then you do it mm. um it's like with training i decided that's what i wanted to do and a lot of people are even even now you know be careful don't overdo it you know, you've got work, don't do too much. But actually, it's something I want to do for myself. So mm. it's, it's, 
it's actually more important than most things because it's the one thing I do do for myself. Hmm. And it's it's quite tough there as well, as you say, because the people are probably telling you these things, saying don't uh, don't overdo it, don't all that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's um, they're doing it because they care about you, but at the same time, it's that misconception of like you are just a normal guy. You've just got to use a wheelchair. Yeah, take it away. You know, <laughs> obviously, it is there sometimes. It is there. It's always going to be there. But imagine it as kind of a a mole or a wall, something that's there that you see, but is there all the time and you live with it. And eventually it gets to a point where you don't even notice it. And that's what my chair is. That's what I want people to see. Even being in a relationship, I've found that that's happened. At first, obviously, if you're able-bodied and you've not encountered someone with a disability before, of course you're gonna notice all the things that are different. Mm. But eventually you get to a point where the things that were different don't matter so much and you mm. start to see the person in the chair and not the chair that the person yeah. has if that makes sense yeah yeah i like that i like that i like that a lot um yeah no you're absolutely right and, and it's, it's a tough one isn't it because we you don't want to blame people like i've been there myself man like you don't want to blame people for like looking or, you know, questioning things or pointing or no, kids making true. comments because we're designed like humans are designed to notice things that are different, like, and, and be a bit wary of things that are different to them. So of course um, you're going to get people that are going to question things or, or look or, or make comments. But ultimately what we're trying to do is educate, educate and, and let people know that this is the situation ask if you're curious come and ask absolutely i mean it's again might be different in other people's experience but i know predominantly in mine it generally seems to be the parents that you know the kids are inquisitive kids are inquisitive working in a school i know that for a fact mm. you know we get kids that start every year and they'll come up to me and say sir why are you in a chair or, you know, what happened? Were you in an accident? Or, you know, or they'll come and just want to film my wheels or touch the chair or, you know, because they might not have seen one. They might not have a family member that's in a chair. They might not have had to encounter that before. And there's actually, there's nothing wrong with that. I find it's the parents or the grandparents that are like, you know, don't look. Don't look. Um, and I'll make a conscious effort to be, actually, yeah, they can look. And if they want to come and have a go, you know, there's been times where I've been on holiday and I've, you know, met kids, even teenagers, and they're like, oh, what's it like to be in a chair? And, and I'm like, hang on a minute, let me hop out and have a go. <laughs> Jump in. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Because actually when they've got kids, or if they see someone that encounters someone in a wheelchair, they can go, oh, actually, I had a go in one of them and it was really good. Mm. Or I asked a question and I got an answer. You know, if, if you don't let kids or even adults, for that fact, be inquisitive, they're always going to have them questions, which then leaves room for that negative perception to come in. You know, um, don't be frightened to talk to people and demystify it, even people that I work with in the past, you know, 
I might have known them for years and then one day we sit there and they ask what I've actually got and how it affects me you know and talk about it it's part of you don't be ashamed of it, it, it be proud of it and actually own it and say well yeah this is what I've got and it doesn't stop me being me because behind every person that is in a chair and remember it's a need, it's not you it's not anatomically connected to you it's just something that helps you do what you need to do and mm. um, you know there is a person there's a personality there's a sense of humor um with everyone that is in a chair and it, I'll, I'll admit i'm guilty in the past of of not interacting with someone um in a chair because I'm I'm worried of going up to them and whether they'll be able to interact back with me. But I've learned, especially as I've got older, you know, talk to that person, even if they're non-verbal, you'll find that they've probably got some of the best sense of humours going because mm. they sit and they they listen to people and they take everything in. You know, mm. just because that person can't interact with you in the conventional way. Mm. Like, I can't walk in the conventional way, but it doesn't mean it stops me doing what I want to do. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll always say, and I'll always encourage people to to ask questions. Don't, don't think that you're going to offend someone by asking what it is that they've got. It's not an illness. It's not something that needs to be avoided. It's, it's a condition. It's it's something that theirs, it's something that they have mm. live with, you know, it's, it's not mm. something, it's not a dirty word. Disability is not, you know, not something to be ashamed of and not all disabilities are visible either, mm. you know, um, that's another thing to look at. I mean, mine is walking down the road or winning down the road, should I say, everyone's going to know that I'm in a chair, but there are a lot of people that struggle um that you wouldn't know unless they told you so you just need to be aware um mm. and, and actually give people time because people aren't gonna i know for myself being anxious sometimes i'm not gonna be um as forthcoming with information i mean even doing this is intimidating i know you and i, <laughs> I know i'm talking to you at the moment but people are gonna see this that i don't necessarily know mm. so it's it's a very strange this uh, this sort of like this platform podcasting because uh, you do like we we like, I've had really good conversations with people and in the second you switch that camera on and the record like I was like it at the start I start, I just froze up a little bit and and the conversation doesn't roll as naturally but um, yeah I've sort of I've got a little bit better as the time's gone on but yeah definitely yeah it's practice um, and it's, it's it's that thing you were saying like in regards to like if someone was non-verbal um, and because we've got a lad that comes to our class and he is completely non-verbal but i've texted him and it's like i'm talking like we're having a conversation right now and that's the thing that's yeah. that misconception to to the outside onlookers it's like wow this this guy is severely i say guy he's a man like this man is severely disabled like but he's very much conscious like he knows exactly yeah. like his, his grammar was better than mine, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking yeah. at it thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> my writing ain't that good. 
And uh, yeah. but yeah, like it's just giving that time and patience, and and not speaking to him like I will speak to him like he's a full grown man. I won't speak to him like he's a, a three year old toddler like that needs to be like pampered to. And I think that's that's wow. the key. It's it's about not pampering to people. Obviously, like you know, if if you saw someone that needed help, regardless, you would help them. But mm. it's giving like someone with a disability at least the chance to I figure mean, it out for themselves. There are, I'm going to look at it both sides here in the sense that, you know, don't be afraid to ask someone for help and and don't give someone the chance to be independent. Mm. Obviously offer if you want to offer help. Um, but I've experienced people in the past with disabilities that are like, you know, I don't need your help. I don't want your help. Well, that that's fine. Just say no, thank you. There's no, there's no need to be. Um, there's no need to be off about it. Mm. No, or defensive because people are just trying to be nice. You know, talk to. I think it works on both sides, like it does with any conversation. You've got to talk to people on a normal level. You know, don't don't be defensive. You've got to be open and sometimes that's hard especially when you're having a hard day you've got to be neutral and kind of be thank you very much but I don't need your help or yes please that'd be really useful um I think I think it works for everyone whether you've got a disability or not like you say you've got to just treat everyone with with an equal standpoint and and take it from there and then obviously the more interactions you have with that person, you're going to know what they're capable with and what they're not. Mm. Um, people at work, often when they see me kicking the books across the floor with my feet, they're like, do you need a hand? I'm, well, no, that's what my feet are for. They don't do much else, so I might as well move this box. <laughs> um, so, again, it's, it's just getting used to people, interact with people, make the most of it and, and, and actually get to know that person because that person might not have had the opportunity to interact with people much. It's like mm. using your example of someone who's nonverbal, like, you know, people are generally quite reluctant to go up and interact because what they've already got pre-installed in their head actually go out there and and ask questions or or just ask them how their day's going they might not be able to interact with you in a normal way but i can promise you they'll appreciate it mm. because all all i yearn for sometimes when i'm having a bad day is for someone to go up and go how are you like like i say generally i'm quite a shy person so I'm I'm not always the most forthcoming with being being out there or even starting a conversation because I'm just not very good at it. Um, but I think people have just got to be take the take the plunge, like take a leap of faith, leap of faith, and go go and talk to someone. No, you might not get the the reaction you expect, or you might not get a response but they're going to be grateful for it. And actually that person is going to learn something by going to speak to that person. Mm. You know, they might not be able to necessarily speak for himself. It might be a parent or a carer that, that talks back, but that's because they live with that person 24 seven. 
You know, they're going and to... They, they understand. They know that person. They're going mm. to be able to mediate for you. Not talk for that person, but that person might give facial cues mm. or might use sign. So that, you know, that person might be able to say, oh, he or she has asked you this or said thank you or, you know, don't, don't put yourself off of going out there and talking to someone because you're worried what someone might say or might mm. do because you don't know until you've done it. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, mate. So, um, Jordan, tell me a little bit about some of your um, sort of your sort of goals going ahead for the future. So, obviously, uh, training goals, life goals. Let's let's talk about some of those. What um, what's your your sort of next steps, so to speak? Uh, well, I'm still living at home for my sins, so <laughs> getting my own place. Uh, there's nothing nothing wrong with I mean, that, man. Nothing wrong with that. No, no. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't do too bad, but I just would like my own space and mm. would like progressing my career and look at what other options are available, you know, where I'm working at the moment, see if I can sort of develop my role and, and what I do. Uh, just trying to work on one thing at a time, really. I don't mm. I don't really look at, oh, there's five things I want to do because I, I can't cope with that. I'm a very much, I need to focus on one thing at a time, mm. very systematic. Need like bite-sized chunks that you can sort of work on because uh, some of the things obviously, yeah. I mean, now you get into sort of, you're 20, sorry, 26, um, and you get into that point where it's like, you want some independence and obviously because people have done stuff for you for so long, whether that's parents or or um, people that have cared for you in the past or, you know, helpers and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of, you got to the point now where you're ready to like, right, okay, I'm, I'm ready for my own my own life now. I, I can look after yeah. myself. I, I need that independence. And uh, like one of them we've spoke about many times is driving. Yeah. That's, that's key for you. That's, um, especially now being in a relationship and, and my other half lives sort of 45 minutes down the road. So for me, it's key to work it's key to life to be able to go and do those things even if it's just going down to the local shop and getting a pint of milk you know i'm going to use up a lot less energy by driving to the shop than i am just wheeling around the corner mm. um so it's going to benefit me in a lot of ways um and a lot of that's been down to confidence and i think it does naturally happen i mean lockdown has it motivated me a lot to want to do it mm. um, because I've been so limited and I, I wouldn't say because for a long time growing up I was like oh I'd love to do it and I, you know it's, it's on my list to do but I'd never actually got to that point where I thought I was ready mm. um, same with, with moving out and getting my own place I do think don't be disheartened if you get to, even if you get to my age and you don't feel ready, because one day you will wake up and you will be. Um, it's different for everyone. It's kind of a natural progression. You're going to get to a point where you know your body better than anyone else. You know your capabilities better than anyone else. So you need to do it at your own pace. Don't, don't worry. Don't obviously take people's advice and be considerate. But even with my parents, yeah, they they are brilliant. I couldn't ask for more with my parents, but 
and they've seen it from their perspective um, and they've grown up with it and they've helped me through an awful lot of things. But the bottom line is, is that they don't live with cerebral palsy. I live with cerebral palsy. It's my body and only I can truly feel what it's like to live with it. Um, and that's sometimes a, a subject we touch on at home. Um, because I'll get in a situation and they'll be like, oh, we'll do this. And they'll be like, well, no, actually, I can't because it makes me feel like this. Mm. Or I need a bit differently because it suits me. Um, so we're still learning. It's always mm. adapting. It's always changing. Um, and things are going to be different, you know, in five years' time to what they are now. I think you just need to focus on what you're doing. Do it properly. Uh, you know, try your best not to cut corners, even though sometimes you really want to, um, because it just makes life easier. Mm. And don't be frightened to, we've, we've spoken a lot on here today about talking to other people and approaching people and, and about perception with disability, but actually talk to family, talk to friends, talk to your colleagues, talk to anyone that you think you can approach, because even if you're having a good day, talk to someone about having a good day. Mm. Don't don't isolate yourself. Um, you know, make sure you're interacting with people. Make sure your voice when you're feeling down, even if you think, oh, it's only something I'll get over tomorrow. No, get it off your list because if you've said it, it's no longer head. And I found that really useful. Even if you write it down on paper, get it out so you're not dealing with it and it's spiraling round. You know, find find a mechanism that suits you, but deal with it. Don't leave it and don't be ashamed to ask. It's sometimes getting caught up in your own head, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Is and it's so easy to do, not just with lockdown, but with, with learning that actually you've got a condition that you were born with, in my case, not, not for everybody. But, and it's not going to go away. There's no magic wand. There's nothing that, that can change it. So you've got to make the best of it. And I know some days that's really hard. But actually, I like to think of it in the way that even going places, right? When you go as maybe as a disabled and carer, or you have to go a different route somewhere because it's disabled access, you're going to see things. Hey, he's back. That's it. Sorry, <laughs> mate. It's all right, buddy. Didn't pay the internet bill. Oh, I I've completely lost where I was. I sort of went off on a tangent. I can't remember. For anyone that was listening, we just uh, we just cut off then. So uh, Jordan's joined back on. He's gone off on a tangent, but um, we've re-established connection. I'll edit this, so we won't have that big pause in the middle where I'm just uh, sitting there staring at the screen on my own. Um, I can't remember. I completely <laughs> completely lost track. Um, I mean, one of the questions I did, or one of the things I thought would could be quite interesting to talk about is... Uh, is also as being a person in dis with a disability, being in a relationship with an able-bodied person. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Um, it's it's different. I mean, and and that's not. I say it's different, and it's not a bad different. 
people say, oh, it's different, and, and automatically go, oh, well, it's nothing to be frightened of. You know, I often say to people, quite often there's like an icebreaker, and like, I've got the full set, all I need is ginger hair and braces. I've got glasses, I'm gay, and I'm in a chair. Like, so <laughs> that, was the thing, that, was, that was the thing you said to me. I remember that was uh, like, I can't remember, it was that first or second session. I remember it proper spun me. You was uh, you said, I'm like a unicorn. And I went, what does that mean? <laughs> you yeah, don't see... there's not many of us. Yeah, like pole <laughs> dancing unicorn. Um, you don't so... see many gay cripples. I think your, uh, your, your words was after that. Yeah. And I remember that just, that instantly broke the ice for me. And I just thought, this, this guy's hilarious. Like, he just ripped the shit out of himself and like and yeah just, why not why not if it makes you laugh you know it's gonna you're gonna offend some people and you have got to be mindful but again like i said at the start i use my humor to sort of deal with things and and mm. and i used it a lot sort of getting to know my other half mm. because he he was able-bodied like i think i said a, a little while back he come from an able-bodied family he'd never encountered someone with a disability so for him he was open to being with someone with a disability it was never a problem when we met um but there's obviously some bridges we've had to cross and some issues we've had to deal with not in a in a negative way but to kind of like this is the perception he had obviously he didn't he didn't imagine that he would meet someone with cerebral palsy so he's had to adjust his expectations mm. and I've had to not so much adjust mine but try and adapt what I do to meet those expectations as much as possible not because I've had to or not because there's been any pressure for me to but because I've wanted to mm. obviously being in a relationship you want to to be the best person that you can be for the other person and I think that's really been a good motivator for me as well and, and like even with us training you know he's, he's six foot two and quite fit and does a lot of walking so for me I wanted to be able to go on them walks for him and for me to be able to do that I needed to increase my sort of capacity in terms of pushing and stamina and things like that so it's it's using again coming back to training is that's helped me develop my relationship because without it mm. I wouldn't be as fit as I am now and I wouldn't be able to keep up with him and do all the things that that we want to do together um mm. going back to being in a relationship generally Yes, it is. It is different. It is. It's. It's not always a subject that is easy to talk about. I think when you meet the right person, uh, it's not hard. I think you need to be brave and and sort of. I'm going to make an, a bit of an admission here in the in the sense that I I dated online and I what I found really useful was that I actually typed out a standard kind of message was that I don't know sort of how to tell you. I don't know what to say to make it sound better in a way, but this is the condition that I've got. This is how it affects me. I'd completely understand if it's not right for you, but this is what I've got. 
and I wanted to let you know so it wasn't a shock. Yeah, so you're always up front too. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is turn up to a date somewhere and actually that person realised that you're two foot shorter than you should have been because you're sitting down. <laughs> um, so you need to be, you need to be obviously worried about yourself because you're the priority, but you also need to be considerate of what other people are going to think. Quite often, wherever I go, I always think, right, who am I with? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And what am I going to need to do to make what we're doing the least impactful for the person that I'm with? I don't want the other person that I'm with to change their plans or change what they want to do because I'm with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that a lot growing up is that I wasn't invited out with friends or, or things like that, because I think the automatic perception was, well, if we take Jordan, we won't be able to do this and do that and do this. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I can, because like I said to you earlier on in the podcast, I can get on my knees and crawl if I need to. It doesn't need to look pretty. You know, as long as you're doing what makes you happy, then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it, again, it's, it's life in general. It evolves, it changes. Obviously, we both... I work, my partner works, um, we want to, we go to London a lot, you know, and, and one thing I notice is that there are probably none, really, no wheelchairs around central London, especially like in Soho, Leicester Square, because I think the consensus is don't go to London because it's so inaccessible, and it is. It's terrible in the sense of public transport. I mean, you sort of have to hop on one station and miss one because it's not accessible and then go to the next and walk back on yourself. It's something I've got used to. We plan our journeys. We know what stations are accessible. So they're the stations we go to. I mean, it's it's not a case of, I will just hop off at Embankment because that's the closest station. It doesn't work like that. You need to go to two stations along and you might have to walk for a half an hour or will. And, and, and so allow time, give yourself time, but don't let it stop you doing what you want to do. Just mm. factor those things in. It's going to be a bit of a longer day. You might get tired, but actually you're going to miss out on a lot. You know, I love being in amongst all the hustle and bustle of it. Yeah, sometimes I do have to throw myself out my chair into the doorway or or be quite, you know, uh, loud and, and get people to get out of the way because there are there are people out there that don't consider people in wheelchairs and don't bother looking beyond their noses. And, and I've had people practically sitting on my lap. But the chances are, once they've done it once, they're not going to do it again. Um, you know, just don't, don't, if you want to go and do something, even if it's, even if it looks scary, just go and do it because I promise you, you will love it and there will be so much you can take from it. Um, there's even places we've been and my other half has said to me, is it a good idea to go? Because I think it's going to be difficult. Well, yes, because you want to go. So we're going. Um, it might take us an hour longer, but so what? So what 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 is that our difference going to make? You know, it's not going to spoil our day. It's it's just actually, you know, 
some of the funniest times I've had is is trying to get around different situations and and you end up hanging off a rail somewhere or trying to tear over a bump and then you end up falling out and you know it's an it's an adventure look at it as that don't look at it as a negative thing take Mm. the positive from as much as you can and of course you're going to have days where you're down and it gets a bit too much because that's human and I, i think we all need that we need that vent but bounce back you've got to bounce back because if you don't it's still going to be there when you get up in the morning. It's not going to change. Mm. Um, you can either let it control you and own you, or you can own it. Mm. And that's the choice above all that you need to make mm. is if you own it, you own it. And that's it. There's no in between. Mm. Um, and also, own when you're having days where you're not feeling great. If you honestly get up in the morning and you think, oh, actually, I can't do this today, that's okay. Because actually, you're recognising that your body needs a break. Mm. Um, and, and you'll be able to get up the next morning or a couple of days later, whenever you feel ready and you can carry on. I have to say to my family at times, I can't go out at the weekend. Or I'll say to you from time to time, I can't train today because it's going to be too much. Mm. And there's no shame in that. You just have to be aware. Mm. Um, I mean, you might get you might get some stick from me, but <laughs> I do, I do. But <laughs> some choice words I send over. To you. Yeah. What are you talking about? You can't train. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a picture uh, of me and some cake. <laughs> no, but I think you've uh, I think you've summarised everything quite nicely there, Jordan. Like you've you've sort of. I think the message you're trying to get across is don't let things hold you back, like no matter how, no, how you're perceiving things or maybe how other people perceive things. And also just educate and like don't be afraid to ask these questions. And and you in actual fact, people with disabilities would rather you ask some questions because then it takes away that stigma and it opens up that that dialogue for for people to 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 get that awareness and understanding and, yeah. and really create um create yeah awareness around everything because we've got you know people with disabilities have got a responsibility it's Mm. the same with the gay community the generation before us changed that perception of things to move along as far as they have and it's Mm. our responsibility as people with disabilities in our generation to actually say no we don't need to be shut away we don't need to be marginalized because we're different because actually Mm. We are no different. No. And if people don't do that, then things aren't going to change. I don't want to get to 30, 40 years old and still have the same obstacles, if you like, mm. as what I do now. I'd like to think things will change and things will evolve for the better. But it's oh, not going to do that with me harking about it on my own. It's going to take no. you know, a group of people and people like yourself giving people opportunities to mm. be on a level with everyone else for mm. things to change so i think mm. people do need to to open their eyes to the to what's in front of them and be a bit more you know positive and that mm. gives towards what they're doing if they are mm. doing something exclusively for able-bodied people well 
you know, it doesn't always mean putting massive ramps in and paying for massively expensive equipment. If you can, if you can make your facility accessible just by widening a doorway, then do it because you're mm. actually you're going to open up your your client base or your customers sort of to a whole new branch mm. of people. You know, bars in London you try and get up to, and they've got massive half a foot high step. Um, you know, I'd love to go in there, but I can't because it's difficult. Hmm. If they just made them small changes, then then things would be a lot lot easier. And I think that's where people need to sort of take take heed at what we're saying here and and kind of make those small changes because actually they're not going to cost a lot, no. and they're going to open up a whole new world of opportunities for everybody, hmm. really. And I think we are we are living in a world at the moment that is becoming very very inclusive. Obviously, you've got like some far extreme on either side, but I oh, think, <laughs> but I think for the sort of grand scheme of things, uh, we are becoming a more of an inclusive society, and and things are changing and becoming more acceptable of different you know ways of life, conditions, disabilities, all these different things. Like it's just coming to light, and Definitely. it's becoming a more of an open. Um, open platform and that's why I wanted to create this platform ultimately is to is to bring people together and and share stories and and let people know that they're not alone there's other people in certain circumstances that have been through it like have done these things and had these obstacles that that you may be going through so reach out like I'm sure like if, if off the backs of this someone messaged you and said Jordan wow like some of the stuff you said there like it, it made me think like, oh, that this could make my life easier. Could you give me some mm. advice on this? I'm sure that you would be happy to uh, to help that oh, person. Of course. If you and, can uh, attach more details and um, absolutely, yeah. one that wants to get in contact or has got any questions mm. or just wants to have a giggle and take the mic, <laughs> then then do it. Feel free because yeah. you know, I'm here. So... I can give you the best advice that I can. It might not suit you completely, but take the best from it. Um, mm. And and yeah, let's just go along for the ride, really, and see what. That's it. That is, that is it, man. And uh, as I say, I think I think the the adapt. I'm going to use the term not long, no longer disability. I'm going to say the adaptive community are very open and very helpful, and everyone's mm. like super super passionate about sort of seeing each other succeed which is why i love it so much and i'm, I'm definitely i'm 100 sure that i'm on the right career path in what i'm doing and the message i'm yeah. trying to spread um and as i as are you as you said like in the new year you want to become more more involved in helping people with uh with your instagram page that you created which is uh all uh, i completely forgot it in a Go chair but all there <laughs> So, it just went out me in a chair but all there and i think that just sort of summarizes the message that you're trying to spread as well um jordan listen man I've, I've really appreciated talking to you today um as always we we've we've been training for a long time now and the conversations we've had like <laughs> endless we yeah, could talk for let's, hours let's though, not repeat all of them though craig <laughs> let's keep some to ourselves we're pretty pc at the moment yeah some of our conversations can get a bit heated and a bit crazy but uh yeah so i'm very proud day. of myself um, quite good. <laughs> You've kept quite the innuendos to so a minimum, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I'm sure if you're coming on again, like, I'm sure we could go a little bit more deeper into some of the. I just the, need to make sure time. I change my job before that happens, Craig. Yes, <sighs> work, work working in a school does uh, sort of limit you to maybe some of the stuff you could potentially talk about. Yeah, you've got to uh, you've got to maintain a certain air of excellence at all times. Of course. <laughs>
<laughs> well, listen, Jordan, I won't keep you any longer. I know you've got a work do tonight anyway, so uh, I'm sure you're ready. As you can see, you're very smart and I look like an absolute tramp because I've been well, thank coaching. You. you big flirt. <laughs> I've been coaching and uh, sweating out all day, so yeah, I look a state anyway. But um, Jordan, thank you so much. I'm going to attach your details. Um, so anyone that does want to get in contact with Jordan, um, please drop him a message. I know he's always happy to help people and give people advice. Um, yeah, Jordan, thank you so much. Cheers, buddy. Take care, man. Cheers, mate. Take care. Enjoy yourself, mate.